I'm Patty Awashchuk and I'm owner with my partner Tony Brown of Banjo Cider and we're sitting on our patio with our dogs. <laughs> yeah, Sterling the Cider Corgi has joined us so if there's barking or chasing that's why. Yeah, but it's alright <laughs> if I call him Cheddar still. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He'll respond to pretty much anything if he wants to listen. Right. So we've always been told, why do corgis have such big ears when they never listen? They are, they're stubborn and they don't listen. They're not trainable. Stubborn. Uh, though they're extremely trainable. Right. Um, but only if they want to be trained. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, super food focused, so. Oh, well that helps. That's the name Cheddar, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so, so we're here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the property and, and what you're doing here. Well, we've been here going on 11 years. We came, moved here from Yellowknife, so it was um, just a super exciting re-emergence into Ontario, like growth, that everything's green, everything's growing. And so right away we were just growing stuff and, and having small farm projects. We live on a, on a farm in Ontario before Yellowknife and we had a small orchard there of table apples um, as well as organic berries and stuff. And so when we were here, we just kind of launched into um, growing our own vegetables. We raised some beef cows. Um, where one of the orchards is now, we had 2,000 asparagus plants that we sold at the gate. So for us, the genesis of this whole cider project is, is agriculture. That's, the, that's kind of our, the origins for us. And we also had these, um, at the time, maybe a dozen really old kind of heritage-ish apple trees around the property or we, we don't didn't really know the varieties and so we were just always watching them drop their apples and go to waste every fall and and kind of dreaming about doing something with them but in, when the kids were a bit older a few years ago um, in particular Tony who likes if he's going to do something he likes to go bigger he was just kind of, we were just in that fall period and we're like, let's, let's do something with these apples and, and made some small batches for ourselves and then made a bigger batch the next year and then decided to, to go for it and put all these, started putting all these trees in. So we have five acres here uh, on the property and then we have another five acres up at um, one of our uh, employees, uh, beyond an employee, Jeff is a, a, part, a big part of this project. So we have apples up at his place as well. Um, and and yeah, so we folk, I'm just gonna keep rambling on. Yeah. <laughs> we, we also started making the kind of cider that we would want to drink, which is dry. Mm -hmm. um, we just happened to not really like sweeter drinks. And so that's what we started making for ourselves. And so, um, and we work in, in sort of once we'd made our own, which are just, you know, they're just how they end up when you, when you first start making them. Um, we eventually, partway through the process, started working with um, a cider judge that we know through our other jobs and um, a local guy. And he's been really instrumental and helpful for us in learning um, sort of the finer aspects of, of tasting and, and um, producing ciders that we want. So we have a range, but they're, uh, in terms of sweetness, we have a range, but they're all towards kind of the lower end of, you know, we've kind of graphed out it, what the LCBO, you can go on and grab the sugar content mm -hmm. from them. And because we're engineers, of course, we made a graph of those um, sugars. So we're, we're towards like the bottom, 
30, 40 percent. That is where ours, starting with um, just a bone dry, no sugar added up to something, you know, towards the top third of where ciders lie in terms of sweetness. Which is really interesting because you've got sort of the whole farm style uh, process where you do a lot of availability or a lot of different uh, work around the, the land here that you're with, uh, which is quite common for, you know, the farmhouse style ciders that are coming out. Um, and especially when it comes to more dry, less sugar, uh, more focused on traditional methods as opposed to uh, commercial production. Yeah. And, and that is really quite an interesting um fit to where Ontario is because Ontario does have that huge uh, uh, you know people that are putting out million liters worth of cider and then you've got people who have work with three barrels and barrel age out of three barrels and right. that's it right yeah. so the spectrum really fits in there yeah um, we're, we're in an area here around the Uxbridge area have you uh, you've seen that there's two blokes that have started up, Slab Town, a couple others in the area that are sort of starting to grow. Would you be bold enough to name the area or have you heard of um, maybe this is a sort of an upcoming cider area? <laughs> uh, I'd love for it to have an, an, a name uh, um, and recognition as a cider place. I don't know what the critical mass is to, to <laughs> have it be a, a cider destination in the way that in my mind, Prince Edward County, Niagara, I mean, Niagara's building off the wine industry, but certainly P Prince Edward County, in my mind, stands alone as the cider destination, Collingwood. Um, uh, so we've been working with the local municipality and the region and um, central counties, and I think they recognize that something's happening here, including with the craft brewery, the second wedges. Um, a very well-loved, uh, popular, and, and well-respected craft brewery in, in, in the town and beyond. So between all of us, we sort of have some kind of little accidental synergy going on. Um, but maybe I'll leave it to you guys to come up with a name. And <laughs> we'll we'll keep asking day. around and we'll see if at some point something will pop up because we are seeing such growth. Mm -hmm. um, you started, was it earlier this year, formally with... Uh, you, the selling here out of uh, out of the the farm. Yeah, we opened the store in February, so I don't think it was much more than a month that we ran it for, um, which was pretty fun and exciting and and different to have something like that on the property that you're just normally used to having your little rural oasis. Um, and then we didn't do. We took a, quite a pause when the pandemic started, um, just to kind of get a feel for what people were doing and not jump into it too quickly and we did eventually set up an online store we did delivery we did pick up and then once we got into stage three we sort of pivoted and decided to turn our brand new parking lot into a patio and that's been going really well uh it's been very challenging with covid coming in as a start gives you a sense of a little bit of a start stop as you said um, have you thought about the changes that have happened when you got started to where you're at now? Are there any new challenges that you're 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 facing? Um, I mean, we're sort of, I, I I would guess a lot of small cideries and companies in general. You're just making it up as you go along anyway, and so to have this challenge thrown at us 
yeah, it's very different and it's not what we thought our summer would be, but um, I, it's still been a, kind of an exciting journey and, and we've had a great response with everything we do. There's a lot of local support. Like, so we're at the farmer's market too. So the farmer's market, when it opened, um, the organizers were very top-notch at getting it safe, getting all their permissions, and they were one of the few markets open. And so um, it was just, I think people were bored and they wanted to support their local businesses and it went really well. It, it, we do really well at the market this year despite the pandemic. Um, and then people, same thing, they, they're bored, they saw we have an online store, it's a new business they've heard of, so they would order online and, and, and we did much better than we expected given, you know, society was in a lockdown. Uh, what offerings do you have? Uh, so, like, what are our varieties? We, so we have, like I mentioned, the, our bone dry is called Revival, and that's a nod to what you were saying about their traditional methods. So we do use a very long uh, ferment and aging process and um, get to a malolactic fermentations, however many the cider wants to kind of go through. Um, and so that kind of allows us to make a drier cider that has a little more flavor. Um, and a little smoother without being too harsh. The, the malolactic fermentation smooths it out a bit. So, and then our next driest is um, Heart of Gold. It's made, it's a single varietal just from golden rusted apples. So, which is m more, I'm sure you're aware, just more uh, of a cider apple, like it's a crossover kind of apple. So it can stand alone a bit. Um, and then our number three is Rouge. So we fermented that with um, dark cherries and we added a touch of local maple syrup to it, just enough to bring out the, the flavors and the complexities of the two fruits. Our number four is Dueling Banjos. So the, the dueling is um, the tartness from a crab apple reduction that we made and a sweetness from an apple juice reduction. And, and so, and because the reductions is quite a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and then our fifth is a dry hopped cider that also has some buckwheat honey in there for a bit of maltiness. What got you into the process of making cider beyond the fact that you had an abundance of uh, unique fruits to be able to play with? Right. I would say the real, the real drive there came from Tony, my partner, who is a very capable MacGyvery can kind of build anything right I think I would have been intimidated to be like you know you're when you before you've made it and you've only made it home and you want to scale up to big tanks and connections and hoses and this you know the hygiene to keep the the product uh, a, a good quality and to not have losses and just everything the infrastructure of it I don't know that I I would have been too intimidated probably but that is not intimidating to him at all that is his bag <laughs> and so I think I think he loves to have a big project he needs a big project like that so I would say that combined with our agricultural sensibilities made it just a very easy thing for us to step into one thing I didn't mention was um, our orchards are we use organic practices for the orchards, so we use um, mulches around the trees to keep the weeds, grass, or uh, the grass down. Um, we use uh, some hand weaving and hand hoeing. Um, we spray with microbes, and we focus on the health of the tree. 
um, more than you know use having to use we don't use any chemical um, pesticides or herbicides and we can do that in part because the cider apple doesn't have to be perfect it's not a table apple it can have some blemishes and we did grow table apples I mentioned at our other farm near Alliston and it was stressful I mean the pressure to make a beautiful apple and even though you can spray certain organically approved sprays they're not the nicest thing so here it's it, with this with them being cider apples it's been great for us to just be able to grow in the way that we normally grow stuff much more natural process yeah. than what's happened before yeah, yeah. and you know the ugly apples often make the best ciders. So. Yeah, exactly. And there, uh, you don't need to put this in, but just for clarity, that we don't have, they're not producing yet. You saw it, they're small. They're a little bigger in the back. Um, but we did a, a citizen cider project last year where we said to the people around, bring your apples, we'll buy them off you. And we got tons of apples, like around um, 6,000 pounds of apples. I think we made 1500, close to 1,500 liters, and it was pears, apples, quince, heritage apples, crab apples, and it has a very, uh, uh, it was risky because it could have just failed, but the cider tastes good, so we're excited to get it out in a couple months probably. Excellent. And that's it. And that, that <laughs> I'm glad we continued on because now I have an idea myself to... <laughs> Uh, and you're open. This is summer of 2020. You're uh, you're open. What hours and where can people get more information? They should always check our website if they're coming from further than Uxbridge, um, because we are changing as we adapt. But right now, our bottle shops open Wednesdays and Fridays, three to seven, and the patios open Saturdays, one to six. Um, and then we're at the Uxbridge Farmers Market, which is in the parking lot of the Second Wedge, uh, Sundays, nine to two. Um, and yeah, our hours are fairly limited because we're also still trying to achieve like a life balance for ourselves. We're running the orchards, we're making the cider, we're selling the cider. We've got three kids still that live at home, and so we, you know, we're just always trying to not let it balloon up into something that we don't even enjoy anymore. And then adding on the career and the job and yeah, all that exactly, as well, right? Yeah, not so, to mention our normal yeah, day jobs, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it for the time to be able to chat. Yeah, thank you. It was fun.